You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Naraj Nayak, who goes by the name of the Renegade Pharmacist. Grab your notes, pull up the notes on your phone, and take notes on this episode because he shares a ton of fascinating information that can be directly useful to you. Naraj was a pharmacist over in the UK for a major corporation, and he developed ulcerative colitis through poor diet and stress, and he tells us how he healed himself. And now, Naraj runs therenegadepharmacist.com and Soma Breathwork, which is a framework to help you increase your vitality and heal yourself through breath and yoga and music. And we cover a ton of amazing topics ranging from using your breath as a way to heal yourself. We cover Kratom in the very beginning. This episode takes a little bit of a slow start, but really gets going after a short period of time. We get into how you can measure your health metrics through breath holds. This is Wim Hof's right-hand man. This guy, uh, he's traveled all around the world with Wim Hof. He teaches breath work and how Soma breath work, how this framework of using your breath and movement and meditation and yoga to heal yourself from the inside out. Uh, We talk also about altered states of consciousness that you can reach. When you go through this breath work and breath holding, your brain releases endogenous DMT, which gives you really altered states and really cool experiences that I think are super important for all of us to pay attention to. I mean, imagine if you could get into a breath practice where you are experiencing ecstatic states. It sounds really cool. And this guy is doing this basically every day. One thing that we don't cover, which is a special offer to you that we're going to extend to the listeners, is colostrum. And uh, from those of you that don't know, uh, colostrum, which is the first milk from the cow, when we consume, it can heal our gut. It can give us all of these vital nutrients. And, and although we don't cover it actually in the podcast, we've got a special offer for you. All you need to do is just go to naturalstacks.com slash Soma, S-O-M-A, which refers to the breath work. But if you click through the show notes, you can click and you can get a discount on this colostrum, which is a powdered form. Now, just as a uh, little housekeeping, this is not stolen from the baby cow. Uh, when the first milk comes from the cow, they produce four times the needed amount of colostrum that a baby cow needs. And when the baby cow gets enough, the farmers extract this extra colostrum and they put it in a bank and they combine it with a bunch of other cows to create this colostrum product that can have, uh, really it helped Naraj repair his gut and, and bounce back to health. The other special offer that we have for you guys that you can go find at naturalstacks.com slash SOMA, S-O-M-A, is to use the code SOMA20 for somabreath.com where you can uh, get discounts and 20% off for this really huge bank of meditations, breathwork sessions, and all this cool stuff that he talks to in depth in this episode. You may know this by now, or if this is your first time listening, You know, the Optimal Performance Podcast is meant to help you have all the tools, all of the tools that you need to live your most optimal life. 
to repair your gut, to get better sleep, to perform at a higher level, to increase your emotional intelligence. And this episode is really about self-empowerment. And from a guy who used to work in the pharmacy industry, who now is healing people through this Wim Hof style breath work, through movement and meditation, is all aimed at helping you live your best possible life naturally. And that's what we're all about. As always, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, post it on Facebook. It is our goal, it is my goal to bring you absolutely the best information, cutting edge biohacking techniques, health, wellness, brain optimization, all of that stuff so that you can be your best. You can find me on Instagram at real Sean McCormick. That's R-E-A-L, duh. Sean, S-E-A-N, McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K. I changed it recently. It used to be Coach Sean McCormick. And also on Instagram, it's Optimal Performance Podcast. So come say hey, say what's up, share this stuff. Also, uh, I just wrapped up Carnivore Diet Month in January, and I have a blog post that's dedicated to my reflections on the uh, process, the experience of doing carnivore for a full month. So head over to seanmccormick.com and click on the blog. I'm a life coach, performance coach, speaker, biohacker, and uh, it's my honor to bring you the coolest stuff I possibly can week after week. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Niraj Nayak. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with Niraj Nayak, who is the renegade pharmacist. And before I announced his name, he and I both took a very big, deep belly breath. I could hear it on his end. Niraj, thank you so much for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. So I'd like to start with the same first question for everybody, which is, uh, what have you put into your body today? Ah, what a great question. So uh, I actually um, used to be very much into this uh, kind of wake up, don't eat till kind of 12 o'clock, you know, intermittent fasting, usual thing. And I've kind of switched it up a bit. One of the reasons is um, I find that everyone's a little bit different, a little bit individual and unique. And I, I feel like I need something, you know, in the mornings, uh, but after my exercise routine, so I would uh, usually do like an hour of, um, of some form of exercise. Like I have like a routine which combines breath, yoga, and dance into a routine. And um, I always rehydrate before because when you go to sleep, you are uh, pretty dehydrated. So the first thing I do is like wake up and, and drink lots of water. Uh, then I do this. Um, exercise routine and then what I do now is I tend to eat because I live in a tropical climate I tend to eat like local uh, fresh fruits um, with coconut yogurt my favorite is this amazing coconut yogurt uh, which is like this fermented coconut milk turned into a yogurt which is divine it's like you have to try it to believe <laughs> it and I and I love I'm obsessed with um, cacao maca uh, 
you know, so I usually like add that into a yogurt with uh, some like banana or jackfruit. Jackfruit is like my favorite fruit in the world. It's just in, in, incredible. It's so healthy. It's full of so many good nutrients. Um, but then I would like, like not eat, I wouldn't eat like a full meal till much later on in the day. So like my morning is, I, I really love to, to have like a smoothie with like cacao, maca, avocados. Uh, I, I call it the renegade smoothie because it's full of like everything you possibly need um, in one drink. And, and that kind of fills you up for quite a long time. But I, I don't do this thing now where I starve myself all day. Um, but I do do like a weekly fast. So there, there might be uh, some days where I don't really have anything to eat, uh, you know, because I'm like just having liquids and fasting uh, for that day. And that's what my grandma used to do. Like her routine was all about um, following this Hindu kind of lunar cycle of fasting where you, you it's like the, this five two diet thing or two five whatever you call it uh you know the indians have been doing this for thousands of years where they just uh have a day off a couple of times a week maybe one one day or two days a week they don't eat anything or they just have very light foods like fruits and um uh nuts seeds those kinds of things so yeah so that's what i've done today is i've had some um, amazing coconut yogurt with jackfruit some cacao some maca and a little bit of my secret weapon for getting stuff done, uh, which is called Kratom. You may have heard of Kratom, Kratom. Yeah, yeah, Kratom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like really a big uh, believer in this stuff. It's a, an amazing uh, uh, tool for productivity, getting into focus states, uh, getting stuff done. You know, it, it gives you, it's like a bit of a wake up uh, of your whole body. Yeah, it's one of my things that I use now, uh, rather than relying on things like coffee. Now, do you usually usually take your kratom after your your yogurt mix, your uh, your renegade bowl? Yeah, kratom. You need to have some something in your body to make it work. It doesn't like okay. So the way kratom works is it it has a weird like uh, mechanism of action because in slow low doses. It's like doing a little bit of cocaine without any side effects and doesn't, it's like caffeine or cocaine, more like cocaine, I'd say, because it's got that more of that euphoric, like wake up feeling where you can just get anything done. Um, uh, but it doesn't have that, the, the same addictive profile as cocaine. It doesn't like make you want to have another line straight away. Da, 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 da. Like when I was a lot younger, I used to dabble in a lot of synthetic chemicals. So, um, you know, I know all of what that's all about. But Kraton doesn't seem to have that, and it lasts much longer. Nice. Sounds sounds like a pretty good uh, pretty good way to start your morning. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm still I'm still doing uh, I'm still doing well. Technically, this month. Um, uh, are you familiar with the carnivore diet? Have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. I have a friend here in uh, Thailand who's all about it. He's obsessed with the carnivore diet. And, yeah. um, and then, then I also have friends here who are obsessed with this fruitarian diet. Ah, and yeah. they both have very opposite views. I have a very different way of looking at diet, which is there is no diet. Diet, the first three letters of the word diet is die. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm not so much uh, into diets anymore. I'm more into 
just adapting and feeling into how you, you know, how you, uh, your, what your desires are, you know, and really understanding what your body wants rather than following some religious protocol. But the, there is some definitely some truth to things like carnival diet for some people, whereas for other people, it may be the worst thing on the planet. That's why knowing yourself and what's good for you is paramount. Like you've got yeah. to really not believe in any kind of dogmatic system um, if if it isn't right for you. And you'll know very quickly, you'll, you'll feel the symptoms. And I see a lot of people pushing themselves to be vegan or fruitarian or carnivore or whatever. Um, when they're really suffering, you know, and they shouldn't maybe be doing it. So I'm like, I've changed my whole attitude on a lot of things. Uh, I feel like no stress, do what you love, eat less, consume less, and focus on what you love to do and really love what you, you eat. Like you've got, that's actually more important than, than actually even the food you eat. Like you've got to really, really enjoy your food, eat slowly, consciously, chew your food, uh, a lot of the reasons why people get allergies and food allergies because they're not chewing the food properly, uh, and you know all this gluten stuff that's out there. You know, um, a lot of the reasons people get gluten intolerances and go off like and become gluten free or uh, come off allergy, you know, um, dairy and all this, it's because they're not chewing their food or they're not allowing enough time to digest the food. And another thing that a lot of people make classic mistake is they go to like a nutritionist, get like some blood tests done because they may have some little allergy. And then the, the nutritionist tells them they have like 250 different food allergies. Actually, let me let you into a secret. Everyone has some food allergies. So almost everyone who goes to a blood test is gonna have hundreds of allergies. Like, And I absolutely don't recommend anyone goes and does any of these allergy tests because usually what they do is they give you more allergies. You know, you go for a health checkup and they give you more problems. It's like yeah. taking a car to the mechanic to get repaired, suddenly you've got uh, to get service. Suddenly you've got a whole list of things you're gonna fix. You know, it's the same thing, man. It's like with your body. Like, worst thing to do is go to so-called health experts for like blood tests and doctors uh, for health checkups, routine health checkups. Routine health checkups is the biggest crime against humanity that has ever occurred because this is how they make all their money, the drug companies. Because there wasn't any diseases before. Now there's so many frigging diseases lists and lists of them because they all come from health checkups you go for a routine health checkup and then they measure like your average readings uh well they measure your readings compared to the average and let me let you into something we are not linear uh creatures we are completely illogical irrational there is no average like your 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 average cholesterol is not um going to be the same for me and you know my, your blood pressure is not going to be the same for me we're all different, we're all unique, all individual. So what happens is if you go there for a health checkup, they might find um, that your cholesterol is slightly higher than average. So they'll try and bring you down and tell you that you need to stop doing this, stop doing that, da da da. And, but what's going on there is that, uh, is that they're actually giving you more fear. And just by telling somebody that they have an allergy or a sensitivity to something, you almost invoke it in them. It's like a form of black magic. You know, it's what sorcerers and wizards used to do and voodoo people used to do to, to um, by planting suggestions into people's minds. You almost create that problem in your body just by thinking it too much. You know, one of the worst things you can do is go for a routine health checkup and a doctor tells you you have like some cancer cells 
but you don't need to worry about it. Let me lay you into another secret. Almost all of us have some cancer cells. Okay, so if you go for any checkup to so-called experts, they're going to find something wrong with you. Almost everyone on the planet has something wrong with them, a little bit wrong, because that's how we are. We're, we're always fixing, replenishing um, old cells. You know, we form cancer cells and then we get rid of them on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay, but the moment a doctor says to you, oh, you have a slight risk of this, or you know, you've got an allergy to this, you're going to create, you're going to create that in that person's mind. And here's the thing, they did this MR fit study, right, which is one of the most longitudinal studies, okay, to uh, test whether there were actually a so-called thing as a risk factor. So it's a multiple risk factor intervention trial, right, it went on for 25 years, okay, and actually what they found was that there's no such thing as a risk factor, okay, you can reduce blood pressure, cholesterol, right, you can do all of these things. You know, you can be the ultimate biohacker, but actually you don't change the risk at all, okay? Huh. This is the problem. And actually the intervention, the medical intervention, actually increases the risk, right? right? So giving a blood, you know, giving a drug, giving some kind of, um, you know, drug to lower blood pressure or cholesterol, uh, the doctor feels relieved, oh, they're doing their job, uh, but however you're messing with the, the, the natural chemistry of the body, because we're not average, we're not averages. We're, that, we're not numbers. That's an excellent segue for us to explain to everybody how you got the name Renegade Pharmacist. That yeah, the, your 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 background, your training, your life track. Um, uh, you know, it's easy to find information on you and, and read about your story and read about the uh, the Coca Cola infographic that uh, that just went totally bananas. But you know, the basis of your of your transformation from standard medicine as a pharmacist to becoming sick and stressed and pain um, to finding your own path to wellness can you can you um, can you give us uh, that that story so that we know that that everything that you're talking about is coming from a place of, of experience and authority yeah. because it's important of course yeah so you know I went on a bit of a rant there but it's because I have been through many different uh, industries uh, related to healthcare. So I was a community pharmacist. I worked in the community pharmacy. Um, then I worked on the, in the head office, one of the biggest corporations in the world, um, uh, Walmart, which you all know. And I saw all different sides of healthcare. Um, and I worked in doctor surgery. I worked in hospitals. Um, I've seen a whole, I've become a patient, you know, I had a chronic illness called osteocolitis that lasted like a year, I was housebound, and I saw that side of the story as well. Uh, so I've tasted, you know, the medicine from many different uh, areas, and I've come to a very strong conclusion, okay, from years of now research, self-inquiry, curing myself with chronic illness, that actually we need to start questioning almost everything we're told by the authorities when it comes to our healthcare. Um, and our bodies and especially what the government's preaching at you and uh, what major corporations, especially drug companies, are trying to tell you. Because as a renegade, the renegade, well, renegade is by definition somebody who sees the flaws in, and, and the scams in a system, uh, so goes off and creates their own system based around their own truth, idea, yeah. version of the truth. Okay, because ultimately I, I don't like absolute statements. Okay, I don't like to say this is how it is or 
that that is how it is, you know, because that becomes religious. I'm like very open minded. Like I, I, I'm always looking to be questioned. But however, I do believe by um, my own experience right now, I can't with a better system. It's not going to be perfect. And it goes back to what we we the ancients were doing thousands of years ago. And that's what I've um, brought to the table with Soma. Um, you know, this is not just from me making this shit up. You know, I basically uh, trained with real life superhumans like Wim Hof. He's like a good friend of mine. I've uh, worked with a doctor in the Himalayas who has a clinic where he heals people using pranayama and yoga techniques. He's like my true guru. You know, I have a, a Swami in the UK. She's the one who taught me the foundations of these ancient techniques like pranayama, qigong, ayurveda, yoga. Um, and it's uh, the not the yoga industrial complex way of doing it. It's the the actual truth version based on thousands of years of um, experience, which has kind of been hidden a little bit in the Himalayan region, um, because the way I practice yoga is very different to the way you often see it in the in the mainstream. So everything I do, actually, um, from the people that I've met is based on um, like actual experiential experience, because I had to heal myself from a chronic illness. And, and my Swami, she cured herself of cancer and heart disease. Uh, the doctor's healing patients in the in the in in his clinic. Wim Hof, as you know, he's broken like world, many world records and stuff. So, you know, everything I've come the, the conclusion I've come to is like coming is taking inspiration from all of these. And what I've done is put together a system that is based on um, it's a very renegade system because it really questions everything else that's going on. But it's based on very fundamental principles, which I believe is the, the true way of getting healthy and fit and strong. Um, and it's based on some pretty firm evidence and science. So I can definitely share more about that um, and why how, how simple it is actually and how yeah. it goes against the convention. Um, but the other thing was by going through these industries, I also realized that there's a pretty big high level scam going on, um, which you only have to look at uh, it from the perspective of, say you are you are employed, say you are employed to be the, the CMO, the chief marketing officer of a massive drug company, what would you want? You would want, um, firstly, you, your job is to increase profits of the company, right? So if you look at it from their point of view, you, wanna, you don't want to cure someone because that means they're not gonna become a customer for life. You want a customer for life so they keep paying you every single month, right? That's how you create lifetime value of a customer, okay? Then you want um, to hold all of the patents. You don't want any competition, so you want patents. So you need to make unique chemicals, right? That you own rights to manufacture, okay? That's how you, you make trillions of dollars, right? Rather than like millions of dollars. So that you, when you start thinking like that, you realize now how this pharmaceutical companies have become so big but they've messed up society because they've made us addicted to drugs, dependent on drugs. They cause side effects beyond belief. Those side effects means you need more medications to treat those side effects. And they've made insane profits because customers are now uh, there for life and they're never getting cured of their problems. They're just having their disease maintained. So what then happens is then when you become super powerful as a company like that, you can lobby the government so you can you can change laws, you can make the laws in your favor, you can basically ban all 
anything herbal, anything alternative. You can suppress, you know, supplements to the point where the vitamins and things are such low levels that they don't have any therapeutic use anymore, which has been happening in Europe, you know, in places in Europe like Germany. So there's many things you can see, it's very obvious, if you put yourself in their shoes, that's going on in the world today. And I would say that the pharmaceutical companies are the biggest corporations in the world. They, um, they are the biggest lobbyists. They are probably the most powerful people on the planet, you know, but the people who fund those companies are also funding agricultural companies. They're, they're behind like massive corporations, you know, that deal with yeah. pesticides and all this. So it's a whole web of stuff used that, that keeps us customers for life. Well, That's what it is. I think I, th yeah. I think for a lot of us in the Western world, it, um, I mean, for this audience, everybody listening right now is tracking step step by step with you. They're they're informed. They know what's going on. But for for much of the Western world, it's so overwhelming to really question all of the processes and all of the systems that are set up to keep them sick and extract dollars out of them. And when you yes. have conversations with people, um, you know, like I, for instance, you know, didn't haven't, haven't and will not vaccinate my children. And just saying that statement out loud elicits oh, a response yeah. from people that's like mm. hatred, anger, fear, um, and it's pretty overwhelming for people to try to wrap their brain around the fact that everything that they take to be true about health and wellness and medicine is all wrong. I mean, it is, it is yeah. set up, it is set up and counting on us getting fat and sick and relying on a diagnosis and then a prescription and over and over and over again. And yes, and of course, what you do is uh, is about personal empowerment. It's about um, ancient, and, and alternative is sort of a loaded term because it's not alternative. There's nothing alternative about no. Ayur Ayurveda. No. There's nothing alternative. Mm. You know, it's the yeah. original medicine, right? And so, yes, um, when when people um, begin to open up a little bit, open their hearts and open up their crown chakras to accept the fact that they're, that they don't know all the answers. And there, there are some, there are own, we all have our own personal abilities to help heal ourselves. Um, it's both yes. freaky and also empowering. You know, one, one thing that, yes. that I've, that I've heard you, uh, that I've heard you talk about, um, and, and, and that you write about, uh, is, um, this this concept of uh, self belief, uh, in, in a, a belief mm. a belief in the self starting there, um, yes, ranging from um, how we talk to ourselves to how we th how we how we maintain our energy. Can you tell a little bit about because you you've not only gone through it yourself as your sort of metamorphosis from your old career and your old life into your new, your new life. Um, but from the starting point of this self-belief that we can all heal, heal ourselves, what, what does that mean? And how do each of us activate that self-belief in ourselves so that we can use breath and we can use heat and we can use movement to heal ourselves instead of relying on a prescription? Yeah. Well, 
the first thing about like there's only a few metrics you need to measure in my opinion right the first one okay if you really want to know if you're healthy right and health being healthy is i think paramount importance if you want to have a good fulfilling life right so you know so the first metric it starts with the morning right the moment you wake up you got to ask yourself a question Am I waking up with absolute enthusiasm to do a hard day's work or am I just doing this because I'm surviving? I'm doing this to survive, you know? Are you thriving or surviving? And this is one of the most important things of all because if you wake up feeling like you have to do this job, I used to be like this when I was a pharmacist. I used to dread going to work. I used to drive for an hour in crazy traffic to stand on my feet eight hours a day or sometimes 10 just popping pills, you know, and giving it to people and uh, just being surrounded by a really negative environment. And it was, oh, it was horrible. Like every day I woke up hating my life. And I knew that this is not uncommon, okay? A lot of people have this, the moment they wake up, they're in survival, fear mode, stress mode, you know, and it carries on the whole day. Now I, I wake up you know, in this beautiful place in Thailand, in Kopangan, I lived the dream in this amazing location. I'm doing what I love to do every day, and I have this amazing community around me. But if you were to tell me that um, back in, you know, like say 10 years ago when I was shitting blood 40 times a day, that I'd be doing this, it would have, I just laughed because <laughs> I would never have thought it was possible. But it came down to, like for me, the big wake up call was facing death. And having no option left all right and my point is now like look if you can just answer that question in the, in the morning with absolute honesty and if the answer is no then and if you have the brave if you're and everyone's gonna be different but if you have the courage to go and find what it is that you love to do and and go after that um, you know not worry about needing loads of money and things like that and blah blah, blah. not worrying about whether you can pay the bills, actually. Just going for some, obviously having some strategy, not being completely dumb and stupid, but doing something every day towards what you really want to do, what you really want to build, whatever your passion is, and trying to find that passion, because that will save your life. Otherwise, you're going to die a miserable, slow, painful death of um, that a lot of people are facing in this world because they've been robotized into a system that doesn't serve them and they're just a robot. Uh, serving, you know, the, the the rich aristocratic oligarchy families who basically do run everything in the world, and there's no doubt about it that that exists. You know, you just have to see, um, you just have to step outside and see what it's like working in a, you know, a corporation to to know that that's the truth. So, if you want to go after your goals and dreams and ambitions, do it now. Don't waste time. Don't like suppress that voice that's telling you that you've got to change. Because what will happen is that, that unconscious voice will take over eventually and make you sick and it'll give you a heart attack. It'll give you some kind of disease so that you are you can't go back to work. You can't do that. And then you'll be like a patient, you know, in a hospital and it'll be even worse. But unconsciously, we will do things to 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 put us into alignment. You know, the universe is a weird way of putting us into alignment. For me, I'm so grateful it came when I was young. You know, where I, I didn't have loads of people dependent on me, where I can make a shift. So I'm telling people, my big voice is find a new system, find your own, create your own system, become a renegade, 
and step out. If you are feeling that voice, you know, like it's getting louder every day, you've got to listen to it, man. Otherwise, it will teach you a lesson. I think I think it's that's beautiful. That is really that's an important message that everybody needs to hear over and over and over. There's no reason that you have to like sleepwalk your way through your life. And I come from the frame of thought that there is an awakening happening on this planet. And maybe it's because the internet, maybe it's because we have access to information immediately and we can, we can learn quickly and apply things in our life. Um, but there's a shift happening and, and that shift does not support, um, the, the globalist oligarchy (laughs) that, that, that awakening does not support, um, uh, suppression and censorship that that awakening support it does support individuation and self actualization yes. and the ability for each of us as as our own um, self sustaining um, entity whether you want to call it a spirit or a soul that has work to do in this life and yes. Um, and that work that we were born into, that we incarnated into this life for, does has nothing to do with sitting and hating yourself day after day after day. Yeah, and here's the other thing, right? So talking about hating, okay? So if you hate yourself, okay, or you hate other people, right, what happens is, you basically, if you imagine that every cell in your body has a consciousness, those cells are they're, they're the membrane, the real brain of the cell is the, the membrane. It will sense danger in its external environment and it will go into defense mode and it will suppress its growth and rejuvenation. It basically will curl up in a ball, right? So people who hold on to grudges of the past, right, or have serious anxieties of the future, okay get sick okay so one of the most key things if you're waking up every morning with a grudge if you're not wanting to be compassionate to people if you have you know you're you're angry if you're you know like sad or feeling guilty about something you've got to do something about that as well because that voice also but this is the problem with humans is that we we have a lot of psychosomatic problems. So a lot of these emotions, these negative emotions, get stored in the body. Like animals shake it off, right? They, um, they do things that get rid of that stress out of them in- instantly. Humans hold on to it, and it gets stored in our muscles, into our cells, memories, and, and we end up, that's how we get sick. This is, this is what causes chronic disease. It's psychological, and, um, and it's, trying to, it's trying to steer you towards a different alignment in your life. But most people suppress it. They dumb it down. Even the feelings of guilt and anger and things, they, they dumb it down with alcohol. They suppress it with, with weed or, you know, things like that. I mean, weed has a, a positive use, but some people use it to dumb themselves down, you know, to suppress themselves so that they don't have to keep listening to their voice. Uh, so same thing with al- alcohol is the fastest way to forget all your problems, right? That's why there's so many alcoholics in the world. And... Uh, we need to have, wake up, man up. We have to face our fears. We need to embrace the past and have love for it. Love, that means having self-love for yourself. 
And that makes a huge shift in the consciousness of your, every cell. Because your cells are just an organized community trying to, to make you into a healthy living being, right? And we do, you have to understand we're a community, okay? And here's another great um, thing I like to say is, uh, the first letter of the word ill is I, right? The first two letters of the word well is we. Wellness is we. So it's weeness, actually. And <laughs> nice. the more you think uh, as you're a collective community of different cells, like you have a gut microbiome, you're actually more bacteria than you are human. These are all things that have been shown, like in studies, that we actually have trillions of bacterial cells that work symbiotically with human cells. So we are actually a thriving community of all these different cells working in harmony. Um, but the same thing is community. Our wider community is also like an organized system of cells all working together to make this world a better place, right? However, if you're a very I person, I, it's all about me. I want to, I'm greedy, so I'm going to just consume everything and screw over everyone. You get sick, you get heart disease, you get all these other problems, all right? Some of the most unhealthiest people in the world are the greediest people in the world, the unhealthiest. The happiest people in the world, you can see it, go to the blue zones, go to certain regions of China, Africa, even and India and Spain and places where there are these blue zones, you'll see people living very long times because they live in tribal like communities where they are always contributing to society in some way and helping everywhere. And they're like more um, societal, so they're much more about um, uh, staying a member of society all the way through their life. But now we have these in our modern world which is the robotized world is uh in the industrialized world we have everyone in nuclear families you know like they, they don't even talk to the people in their house that they're living with and they just watch tv all day eat pizzas and just watch the box all day long and they don't even know who their neighbors are um i was one of those people man i i was very i became very nuclear i had no friends you know um that i was close to anymore I hated my job. I didn't communicate with anyone at work. I hate my parents, my family, falling out with everyone. You know, I'd come home and I'd sulk, you know, I'd be on the computer, you know, doing all kinds of stupid shit. And that was my existence. There's no re no wonder that I got sick eventually, you know. So um, you have to do something about that. You know, the moment that voice starts to get creep up, boom, you got to change, man. And there are certain, like, Soma's all about what I've created. It's all about actually fixing that in with natural techniques. Yeah, yeah. Start start by going to a uh, um, a, f a music festival. <laughs> you know, like go yeah. go see some music and wiggle and bounce and you know make eye contact with somebody and dance with them. Like that 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 alone can be mm. more beneficial than you know your antidepressant or or anything like that like you gotta move totally, you, you gotta change you gotta change your approach well let's let's get into soma a little bit because you know um you know i know and i think a lot of the listeners will know you know this sort of traditional reference to soma you know as the uh as the uh the supplement to ecstatic states you know in initiatory mm -hmm rites of passage and mystery schools and whether it was yes you know the amanita muscaria or the uh 
you know, the acacia bush or, 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 you know, Kush or whatever, uh, I think a lot of us are going to know the, you know, the sort of Greek reference to Soma. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us what Soma is, what your Soma is and, and, and yes. how it, and how it ties in. Yeah, yeah, totally. So thousands of years ago, according to the legend in the Rig Veda, which is the world's most ancient manuscript, religious manuscript, in there there are 50,000 references to Soma, which is a psychedelic plant ritual. Um, But it was also basically a metaphor for any pursuit uh, involving a substance that gets you into divine states where you can speak to God. So that's why there's many different theories to what the Soma is. It could be ayahuasca, it could be mushrooms, it could be uh, psilocybin, it uh, could be cannabis, you know, there's all different uh, theories to that. But there were external somas as well. So nowadays the soma that we're now used to is the TV, it's the movies, it's the stuff, you know, that get, keeps us entertained and uh, gives us some kind of like, kind of thing to focus on in life, gives us a bit of bliss in, in life, you know, like the antidote to all of the mundaneness that's going on. Um, but what the ancient yogis, what happened was, um, according to legend, that some, when, if you imagine that there was this golden age on our planet where there's far fewer people. So it was like the Garden of Eden, the times of, of the Garden of Eden and all this. The, the rishis would live in harmony with nature. And uh, so they would revel in these psychedelics and uh, they'd reach all these ecstatic states and they'd divine all the knowledge that would form the early societies and civilizations. And then what happens is then people start spreading out and going to different parts of the world to explore and create new civilizations. But the soma starts to run out because it's only grown in certain regions of the planet. So what happens is, because they're so hooked on the soma, they freak out and they're like, oh my God, you know, what are we gonna do? So God Indra, who is the most addictive of all, he tells them all to go inward to discover how to create the soma within, okay? And that is the origin of tantra, of yoga, meditation, of pranayama, and all these branches and schools that we have today, like Buddhism and all these things that are all about actually creating the soma within, the bliss spirit molecule within. So you can create ecstatic states without relying on any substance. So wherever you are in the world, you can be happy. And you can become happy. So that's the origins of these ancient techniques. However, now, like if you fast forward to now, what's happened is yoga has become a huge industry and it's gone away from the original kind of techniques and the meaning has been kind of lost and dumbed down or dogmatized. Um, and I went, I wanted to go back to the original way of doing yoga um, because this is what helps me a lot from my Swami when she helped me to heal myself. And uh, then I, I went on this pursuit, I met people like Wim Hof, and I then traveled to, to Himalayas and spent time with uh, this amazing doctor. And I really started to learn about the true science of how the body works and the chemistry and the community of cells and how we look after them and how we, we raise our vibrational energy. And like, you know, so uh, the, the, like the Bhagavad Gita and things like that, they, and the Upanishads are like amazing, scriptures that talk about the things that are in quantum physics, you know, that have been studied by quantum physics, um, and theorized in quantum physics. They talked about it in, in a different poetry and language 
that was difficult to understand, but now now we've got quantum physics, it kind of uh, explains the same concepts that were talked about thousand years ago by these rishis about how everything is energy. Okay, everything's if you break it down, there's we go more and more into the realms of nothingness, and the and the the divine is actually like so like beyond our comprehension. The closer you go down to the beyond the, the structure of the atom, that, um, that, that there's so much truth now to these ancient philosophies. Uh, if you compare it to the way we look at things in the quantum world, so with that, what what you can understand is that if we're all energy, then practices that move energy around the body, like pranayama, actually means energy control. We can actually raise our energy states, okay, to states where we can create psychedelic experiences, where you can do magical rituals of like, uh, you know, manifesting or calling things into your life that you want in very weird, serious ways. And uh, it can also help you become much stronger, live longer. There's a whole science to these ancient practices. I, I can talk a bit more in depth. So there's the psychedelic side, the philosophical side, and then there's the, the physical health side as well. That, that, is, that all came from this pursuit of getting as high as humanly possible. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, I do want it. I, I want to go. I want to chase the rabbit further down the hole with you. If we're we're here, let's do it. Because I, I, I yeah. feel like these, you know, um, uh, peak experiences. I don't know. I think it was um, Maslow um, talked about a peak experience, and that we need these experiences, these mental, uh, spiritual experiences, to to sort of anchor our our reality and to have something to um, to strive for. And, and these states of consciousness, whether they're drinking, you know, uh, drinking ayahuasca in the jungle in Costa Rica, or whether they're, um, um, you know, fasting high in the mountains, like, or, um, focusing on the breath and just one, (laughs) one trip Mm. to your website, one trip to, uh, uh, soma is it soma breath? Yeah. Uh, well, and and reading, watching the testimonials of the people who have been through these experiences, um, you know, combining yoga and breath work to have these ecstatic states where they're talking about energy in a way that that they did not expect themselves to experience. Um, yeah. Th- that that to me is some of the most important stuff we can concern ourselves with. Those. <laughs> yes. Those experiences, those states of consciousness are what we are here to do and to experience because that, those mm. experiences are, are part of what we're here on this planet to do and this work and exploration of the self and our physical bodies that we get to have. Like it's, it's one in four tr- 400 trillion uh, that we are actually incarnated um, as human beings in this life. Like the chances are super low. And so yeah. while, we're, while we're here, we should be tinkering around and exploring and, 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 uh, and we've gotten so far away from it. Um, we've gotten yes. so far away from this, this, this birthright to explore these states of consciousness. And, um, 
what I have been trying to to impress upon people, not only through this podcast, but through my coaching and, and through my, you know, my own spiritual quest is that when we experience these states of consciousness that are surprising and blissful and sexy and ecstatic and so forth, when we experience that, it not only makes us better, but it also sends whether you, whether it's biomorphic resonance or it's just a change in our actual behavior, these states mm. send shockwaves out into our home, into our workplace, into the people that we affect uh, and that we see walking yeah. down the street. And there's a ripple effect when you have these experiences because these 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 states of consciousness allow us to be our best selves and. So yes. when you when you when you talk about um, these approaches that are rooted um, that are that are more in line with who uh, who we were meant to be the the sort of a, this ancient wisdom man I just the the hair on the back of my neck stands up every single time keep what what how can people um, what's what's another way that people can um, can begin to think about how this can help their lives. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, okay, so if you imagine, okay, um, so the Advaita philosophy of the, uh, in Vedanta is a duality, okay, uh, which is that basically everything is material as well as spiritual. Everything's energy, everything's moving, but at the same time, it's solid. So, you know, it, but it's so subtle, this, this, that actually nobody can really understand it, right? So what, you, what you've got to understand is that if we're all energy, that means everyone is connected to a same single, singular source point of energy. Therefore, we must think like we people, like rather than I, we have to work together, we have to be a community. That's the first, you must have that, that shift, you know, we already talked about that. And if you look at the universe, the universe is, you know, uh, this uh, Nobel laureate called Richard Henry says, universe is immaterial, mental, and spiritual. All right. But so if you if you look at it from the, the the Vedic philosophy, which is actually as above, so below. So what's going on in the universe is we're just a reflection of it, or the universe is a reflection of us. The inner world becomes your outer world. Then the human body at the same time is also immaterial, mental, and spiritual as well. Okay, which means that the more we raise our energy, our vibration. Okay, and I love to use this acronym LOVE. Actually, L-O-V-E stands for level of vibrational energy. All right, and if you think of it, all of the processes in the body are governed by emotion, a feeling. Okay, so all of the biochemical process like uh, the hormonal changes in the body corresponds as well to emotions. So when you're in peak states, okay, uh, you're producing a different chemistry in the body versus uh, when you are in these very low energy states. So anger is a high energy state. Uh, the opposite of anger will be like joy, right? Um, but they're all high energy states. However, what happens in the chemistry of the body when you're in a state of anger is the opposite of uh, joy. And anger, what happens is you produce adrenaline, 
but you also produce cortisol and you cause a contraction in the body because your body is getting ready to fight and stab someone or kill someone, all right? So your body's getting ready to, ah, but because you can't do that in this day and age, you're just always tense and angry and burning inside and you're always tense. So um, that prevents blood flow to various parts of your body. Okay, the more tense you are, the more angry you are, the more fires burning inside. You're producing all this excessive energy that you don't need, and it, it's raging fire inside. And if you don't do something about it, okay, it will just manifest as a disease in the body. Whereas the opposite of that is like joy, passion, and um, you know, just courage and things like that. The opposite of fear is courage, right? Fear is also a contracting, like paralyzing emotion. But courage is very much like embracing the world. And what happens is you produce adrenaline as well as DHEA, which is dilating, and you dilate the blood vessels, all right? So you actually get better blood flow. You get more blood flow to the areas that you need it, and you're more geared up to doing stuff and taking action. So you want to go for expansion rather than contraction, okay, as much as possible in your life. And you're much more likely to expand and move towards things that you love to do than if you don't want to do something, you feel contracted and paralyzed. And it's like, ah, it's a struggle to do something. Yeah. Right. And that that's the state you don't want to be in. Now, here's the thing. Like, it's really hard to make a quick shift. I made a quick shift because I had to because I got sick. But and some people I know are very brave. They just quit their jobs, don't go to work, and then they, they just uh, go and find something they want to do, you know. Um, but not everyone's like that. So one of the things, the secrets, okay, of, of yoga is that the breath is the fastest way to change state instantly, all right, where you can go from this state of anger into more positive states just by changing the rhythm of your breathing, okay. These amazing scientists called uh, HeartMath, they did a lot of studies on coherence, and they showed that rhythm is the uh, is is what governs everything in life. Okay, we have we have several rhythms in the body: the circadian rhythm, we have the infradian, ultradian rhythm, even the men- you know things like the menstrual cycle. They're all rhythms. Okay, the sleep wake cycle. They all they're all rhythms. So everything in the body is rhythmical. However, when you go off balance, you go out of rhythm, you get disease. Emotions, negative emotions are the fastest thing to, to get rid of the rhythm in your body. So when you go into rhythmic breathing, okay, you actually, every other rhythm in the body is subservient to the rhythm of breath. So just by rhythmic breathing, you actually correct and harmonize the rhythm, other rhythms in the body. It's amazing, it's like magic. So by SOMA, one of the cornerstones of SOMA is rhythmic breathing and getting into this coherent states where you get optimum blood flow from your heart to your brain okay when you breathe in you stimulate sympathetic nervous system when you breathe out you stimulate parasympathetic nervous system so when you breathe in a perfect rhythm to music say music's got b do 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 and you go in two three four out two three four and you breathe from the belly slow smooth consistent breaths okay in a cycle in a circuit you create magic in the body and you actually raise your vibrational state okay that's the cornerstone foundation of SOMA is to get your breathing rhythmical as much as possible and just spending at least, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day really being mindful and conscious about how you breathe. Okay. Now, the full SOMA experience actually 
uses the, the, the next phase, it's the most revered breathing technique of all in pranayama, which is kumbhaka. Kumbhaka is the one that you must respect the most because it has the most powerful changes uh, physiologically in your body. And kumbhaka basically means breath retention, holding your breath, okay? And there's two ways to do it. You either hold your breath with no air in the lungs or you hold your breath with air in the lungs. Now, when you hold your breath with no air in the lungs, okay, after, so you do a period of rhythmic breathing where you're actually getting more oxygen into the bloodstream and getting rid of carbon dioxide. And then, um, so you're kind of hyperoxygenating to a certain extent. Not, you're just getting rid of carbon dioxide, so it appears like you have more oxygen in your blood, all right? And then what that does is it, it actually prepares you to be able to hold your breath for longer periods of time, okay? And when you hold your breath for a certain length of time, okay, you actually lower the oxygen in your bloodstream and you trigger this state called hypoxia. And intermittent hypoxia is brief periods of lower than normal oxygen. When you do this, okay, in the right way, and this is the, what we teach in SOMA how to do, uh, you trigger this positive adaptive change in the body to having less than normal uh, oxygen. You produce more red blood cells. Your blood vessels dilate. You produce nitric oxide. Blood vessels dilate around your body. You get better blood flow to your brain, into your heart, other areas, other organs, and you actually wake up dormant parts of the brain as well. And you actually, if you can hold your breath for long enough, Okay, this is what we train you to do. Okay, when you hold your breath for a long enough period of time, okay, you, you lower the oxygen to such a low extent that your body starts to produce DMT, endogenous DMT. Okay, and it produces a, a chemistry of tryptamine, serotonin, dopamine, adrenaline, DMT that actually elicits a psychedelic effect. Okay, where you can have this like awakening experience like you would if you did mushrooms. But DMT is actually also produced um, as a protection to low oxygen. It allows your cells to survive with less oxygen. So that's another reason why. Um, uh, huh. I didn't oxygen, know that. Why? Yeah. Why you low when you lower oxygen, it, it you produce DMT. Yeah, yeah. And certain psychedelics actually, um, like psilocybin and things, they actually or ayahuasca actually. It, it, um, it starves the, the brain cells of oxygen for brief periods and you produce this DMT. It's really weird, bizarre how um, ayahuasca works, really, really magical stuff. Not, not everyone understands, well, nobody really understands fully how it works, but it, mystical experiences can be kind of triggered by suppressing oxygen in the body for long enough time. Now, here's the thing. Here's the magical of all of this. So the, one of the reasons for doing this is that what you're doing is you're training the mitochondria, the energy centers of your cells, to become super efficient at using as least, less oxygen as possible. Now, too much oxygen okay, in the body, too much energy production, is like, like having a fire that's gone out of control, right? It's like Californian wildfires, right? Um, too much oxygen with too much energy, uh, coal, which is sugar in the body, actually causes oxidative stress in the body, causes cell damage, and um, it basically leads to cell mutation, you know, uh, messes up the DNA and, and things like that, which can lead to cancer and degenerative disease, atopsis of the cells as well. So you want to have the right balance. You don't want to have too little because then the fire doesn't burn at all. You don't want too much because the fire burns too far. You want the right balance. That's what pranayama is about. It's about energy control, about controlling the energy so that you have 
become super efficient using the least amount of oxygen. That is the secret of becoming super healthy because too much oxygen actually in the body can also trigger negative emotions and panic and nervousness and stress and fear and all these weird things. And too little oxygen, you actually become a bit passive and a bit like docile. So you, but you want to be efficient using oxygen. So when you become efficient using oxygen, you, you don't cause the risk of free radical damage um, as much. And all of the practice of SOMA, what it's doing is making you actually super efficient using oxygen so that you need to breathe less during the day. So the yogic way of breathing is three to four breaths per minute, okay? And you'll notice with this, when you do SOMA for a long period, I'm working with some athletes now, who's getting some amazing results. Um, you become more and more efficient using oxygen. So your endurance goes up, your strength gets improves. And the more, the longer you can hold your breath, okay, is a sign of your vital capacity. If you can hold a tone, a single tone, for over 30 seconds, okay, my record at the moment is 54 seconds on, in a headstand, um, but I'm gunning for over a minute. Uh, that's one of the things. It's also a sign of your, it's also a sign of your vital capacity. And uh, the vital capacity, they're the two really important biometrics for your um, biofeedback for yourself that you can do, but you don't need machines. You don't need to go and see some, you know, health nutritionist coach or whatever. And you can do it yourself just by every morning waking up and do an ORM and see how long you can do the ORM for or hold your breath and see how long you can hold your breath for. And these are amazing ways to see how healthy you are and how efficient you're using oxygen. If somebody, yeah. if somebody wants to, <laughs> this is so cool, man. Uh, if if hmm. somebody wants to, I just have this image of you doing a headstand oming um, in in an empty room <laughs> by, by yourself. I'll send you the video. I'll send you the video. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> for, 50, <laughs> for fifty-four seconds. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can can we can we as can we start tinkering with this now? I mean, can. Is there is there like a training wheel 101 sort of breath that we can do? And, and when we hold our breath, um, is it best to hold at the exhale or hold at the inhale? Okay, hold after, with no air in the lungs. That's what you should do. So you take a breath in and breathe out and then see how long you can hold your breath for at that point. Um, or you just go... Take a full breath in, full belly and into your chest. And then go, oh. And try and make that single tone and see how long you can hold that tone for. Um, and that's a sign of, and you'll feel great after doing it, but it's also a sign of how healthy you are. Um, and you know, you're, you eventually, as you do Soma and you do the yoga in the right way, because the yoga, the way we do the yoga is you hold each pose to exhaustion point. So everything in, 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 in Hinduism was all metaphorical. So Shiva is represented by Mount Kailash. Mount Kailash is the strong, the world's like strongest mount. It's like this rock, solid rock. It's like the definition of stillness, right? Silence, peace, and stillness. So when you do a yoga pose, you're meant to hold each pose to like with your breath still, you're not breathing, and you're holding it like a meditation for as long as you possibly can. So you gotta go in there with a mindset that you are gonna hold this pose forever, all right? And then what happens is you then um, create hypoxia in the muscles. 
you lower the oxygen, the muscles are forced to use up the, the nutrient supply that they've got because when you do aerobic exercise, when you're moving the arms up and down, like, you know, uh, you're always getting blood flow to that. To that. So the, the, the muscle is like, it's like riding a bike with stabilizers, right? Because you're always getting blood flow. But as soon as you cut off the blood flow by going into a static contraction, okay, you basically are training that muscle to use just its nutrient supply. And that also triggers, when you get to low enough oxygen levels, the migration of stem cells some low hypoxic areas to those areas, it, it stimulates growth of new, new cells, yeah. it lowers inflammation and things like that. So by holding your breath for, for long enough periods of time, creating a long enough uh, a time of hypoxia, you actually wake up stem cells from the body naturally. You don't need to do this crazy, I saw this article, David Asprey injecting stem cells into his uh, brain and all that. I'm so dangerous, man. You don't know what you're doing there. Any kind of human intervention like that is so dangerous, man. You have no idea the consequences. But we can make our own stem cells naturally with breathing techniques, which I just explained now, through the principles of hypoxia. And this is what the ancient rishis have known for thousands of years, and they've been doing this. And if you go to India, if you go to India, they go to the Himalayas. Okay, you'll see the yogis live in very high altitude environments because the oxygen levels are very low because oxygen is poison to the body not carbon dioxide oxygen is too much oxygen causes oxidative distress it causes a rusting effect in the body harvard have done studies on this a lot of the problems of degenerate disease is too much oxygen in the blood too much over breathing right and all that so that's like shallow so the, shallow breathing yeah. doing lots of quick short panting yeah laying, all that stuff yeah yeah you should never do that at rest you only hyperventilate like that when you're exercising and doing a lot of workout um but anyway so another example the nepalese gurkha army the strongest army in the world they're, they're the british and the american soldiers bring him in to win their battles right they live at high altitude train at high altitude they're super strong you're not they don't take you know, like stacks of protein powders and supplements and things like that. They just are trained to be efficient using oxygen. And that's paramount, you know, if you want to become fit and healthy. And this is what I, SOMA is all about actually getting into these hypoxic states safely, migrating stem cells and holding your breath long enough to produce DMT-like experiences as well. So that's why SOMA, I believe, is such a powerful technique. Because SOMA is also, it means body. Right in Greek, it's one body, one mind, one community, one consciousness, and it's a beautiful meaning. It has many different meanings, but they all relate to this idea that as above, so below. That we're all a community of cells, all working together, and that um, you know, do unto others as you've you done to yourself. The golden rule is is fundamental. You know, so and, and the power, the power of this work. Whether it's done in you know a Sunday um, Sunday online meetup or in you know in a yoga shala in Thailand, the power of this practice is strengthened with a group, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So this is another thing studies um, HeartMath did: collective coherence. When you breathe in a rhythm, okay, together as a group, you actually actually create this constructive interference. So if you imagine, um, if you know a little bit about physics, when two waveforms collide uh, and they create positive interference, you make a bigger waveform. The same thing happens when you breathe in a rhythm. 
you create this collective coherence where all the waveforms, because we produce electromagnetic waves, they combine to create a bigger frequency of energy, like amplitude of energy. And that then vibrationally actually has a butterfly effect, okay? You just have to look at people who are very high vibe, right? And you see them walk into a party, the energy of the party changes instantly because our hearts feel their hearts, right? Our hearts have their own brain, you know, they're, they're a brain of its own. And our guts also has a mind of its own. And you'll feel people with high vibe walking into a room, how they can influence a room instantly, their charisma, you know? Um, so uh, if, you, if you raise your vibration and you do things that you love and you're a passionate person, you will have a knock-on effect around you. So you, if you go into work with a positive, optimistic, high vibe uh, uh, mindset, uh, versus that negative, cold, like I, I only care about me and I hate everyone, I hate the world and I blame everyone. Kind of, you'll see what happens that day. You see how your your life, your day changes. Like I, I, I had these huge wake up calls because um, I had this shit job. I hated it. But then I, when I started to get into all of this stuff, when I was going to work with that big bouncing energy, everyone changed around me, man, instantly. And they became like not loving people around me that we used to have a laugh, you know? So these are, this is why so, these practices are so much. Or any, any kind of practice that raises your vibration naturally without uh, external stimuluses, you know, um, you know, without any narcotics and prescription meds, uh, so important right now because we're living in a world where everyone's vibing so low man you know like compared to what they can be you know so, yeah, yeah yeah what do what do the skeptics uh come at you with what's the strongest you know to, to for a steel man argument like what what is <laughs> what, what what does a naysayer what do they say to you where do they try to call bullshit on all this <laughs> Oh man, I get I've I've had it, but nowadays it's really easy because the science just makes sense now. But um, you know, there's um, there's this amazing uh, like saying, okay, um, that this uh, one doctor said that science actually only moves forward, okay, um, by uh, not by repeating false dogmas, okay. Uh, because if you repeat false dogmas, if you always, you're meant to basically evolve, you're meant to change, right? Not just repeat the same principles over and over again. It's the only way science can evolve is by change, by changing, okay? And um, we have to refute false dogmas. We, we can't be dogmatic, okay? And at the moment, the problem with science is that it, it doesn't change. It's become a religion. So there will be studies, right, out there that say that this is how it is. Okay, and people will basically that they will just only think in terms of that study and make that gospel, and then all of their um, theories will then be based around that that full study. Like one of the classic examples is this uh, guy. Um, uh, so one of the things I used to get a lot was. Uh, this cholesterol thing, right? This high cholesterol cause um, heart disease, okay? And saturated fat, this is a big one. Does saturated fat cause heart disease? Okay, so there's this one guy, Ansel Keys, he was given 100 grand, okay, by um, 
to basically uh, show that uh, the saturated fat causes heart disease. The reason for this is that then you can take this fat out of the food and it's easier to ship, it's cheaper to ship, and then you can add sugar to it. The sugar lobbies are behind this uh, because fatless food tastes like shit. So you put sweeteners in it, artificial sweeteners and things to make it taste better. So a whole industry got came about to make uh, food um, low fat and, and full of sugar, okay? And there's one guy, Ansel Keys, basically what he did is he took, um, he, he wanted to show this uh, as a study. So he took uh, seven, uh, 14 countries, okay? And he did a, um, the first study he did, he found there was no correlation to saturated fat and heart disease, okay? And then, and then he was like, no, no, we gotta, this, this is wrong. So he cherry picked the data and he took seven countries, right? And he took those randomly, well, it wasn't randomly, he basically picked the countries that showed a positive correlation to um, having uh, uh, a basically saturated fat causing heart disease, all right? And the entire business of lowering cholesterol in the body is based around this because they say then, what's the mechanism? So saturated fat causes more cholesterol in the body, high cholesterol causes heart disease, blah, blah, blah. And so you make cholesterol lowering drugs and it actually is one of the biggest crimes to humanity, okay? Because, um, you know, you lower cholesterol in the body using statins, you get almost a 50% risk of diabetes in a year after taking it. You get muscle pain, you get degenerative brain disease because 60% of your brain is fat, okay? Now I had a massive challenge to try and tell the doctors uh, what the government was saying was wrong. Huge challenge. In my workplace, uh, where I was working as a pharmacist, I was really challenging the system. And why should people be on statins? Now everything I've been saying is truth. And actually the government have backtracked now and now, now telling everyone to eat healthy fats, okay? And have more omega-3s and essential oils. This is shit I was saying 10 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. More than 10, 15 years ago. And um, you know, same thing, uh, Japan did a massive uh, change of their, their diet uh, because of the Western uh, system and they told everyone to stop eating fat. And people started dying. People, the, the risk of strokes like went up by 100% or something. So they, they changed very quickly. But we didn't hear about that. We didn't hear about Japan's government telling everyone to stop uh, not eating fat. And now Japanese people, you know, they outlive most, most Americans you know, many times over, uh, except for the ones who commit suicide. And the Japanese actually, um, they smoke the most and they eat the, um, they exercise the least, I think, but they, they smoke the most and they have the lowest risk of heart disease and cancer. So, you know, there's another, this is another dogma. It's like smoking causes cancer. Okay, but where is the firm evidence of that really? No, the Japanese are a, a weird anomaly. The French, a huge population, they smoke shitloads. Spanish, they smoke a lot, but they, they don't get the same rates of cancer as people in America and, and in England and stuff like that. Why is that? There's something more to it. So we can't, um, keep, uh, you know, being dogmatic. To move science forward, we must refute false dogmas, you know? So, um, yeah. So yeah. basically I had a lot of challenge and a lot of what I, what you do, what you do is you just have to talk about, um, you know, the, the, the put people in the shoes of drug companies, of 
the CEO, put yourself in as the the job of you just tell somebody like put yourself in the in the position of um, um, of a CMO of a big drug company, and then you start really seeing how you would orchestrate the world, and you'll see how this world is orchestrated around making shitloads of money, customers for life, and and it's really hard for people to to believe this to be true because nobody wants to believe that we live in this crazy fucked up world where this is going on. However, what I believe is that this there are a minority of people that are like this, okay, uh, that are like design, uh, they're very eye focused and want to turn humans into cattle, right? I think majority of people in the universe actually wants the opposite. And the challenge of life, the, in Islam they call it the jihad, all right, the struggle, the holy struggle. The challenge is to wake up to this, okay, to be comfortable with it, be at peace with it, and to create your own system and not try and change a system, all right. You should just create your own system and follow your own truth because the universe will support that and guide you towards that safely, all right. And that's what I believe we should be doing rather than trying to fight you know, make a war against the system and trying to, there's too many conspiracy theories to go down this dark approach. Ah, there's reptilians in government or, you know, the bankers are like pedophiles and they're all going to eat your children and all this stuff. It's too much anger and rage and and too much fear and that's been perpetrated by all these conspiracy theories. Yes, there is conspiracies going. Yes, all this. But screw that. Just create your own system because it's very easy it's very possible. You just need to know how to play the game of life. And actually, that's when life becomes more fun, when you start seeing it as a game where you can create your own system. That's what the renegades do. Renegades create their own system. They don't go and challenge or change a system. They go and just make their own system. Yeah. That's what being a renegade is. And that's, that's what I'm about. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah, when we can, when we can look inward... Um, when we can look to ourselves and our own agency to, to make changes in the way that we eat, in the way that we treat each other, when we can make, make the decision to get more sleep and to move a bit more, uh, to supplement our diets with, with the right nutrients, you know, to keep a journal, you know, these are, this is the revolution. (laughs) This, this, this is how you, this is how you defeat uh the uh the draconian uh lizard kings you know and queens uh is is to you know grow your own food cook your own food yes like keep put your phone uh on the counter when you sit down to have dinner with your with your family chew your food thoroughly breathe you know like like yeah. and this is why like going Going back into basics is so important. Becoming in tune with your body and, and learning just a few simple things like breath holds as a way to measure your health. A super, and, and asking those questions like, am I happy with doing what I'm doing or am I doing it to survive? Simple things, right? But here's the problem that we have in the world is people are brainwashed by statistics, okay? You need to understand how stats work, how you can cherry pick data to manipulate somebody's thought process and reductionist science, okay, which is all about making an average for everyone and numbers and, and you know, this is your cholesterol, this is your blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. this is your average reading, it's bullshit. You gotta, when you start to understand how stats work, how mathematicians can manipulate things in their favor and how politics also works, then you start to wake up, you know, then you start to realize actually 
that I'm not a number, I'm not a digit, I don't have an average, I'm a unique individual person and I need to know myself more than like fitting into a box that I've been put into by a corporation. Yeah. That's the ultimate thing. Yeah. So I can't sit there and tell you that this is how it is for you, this is what you should do. Da, da, da. I don't make any of those kind of statements anymore. I'm like, here's what we've got. It's an open source system. It really is something that you you def, you condition for yourself. Um, there's a few simple principles that, that that make sense for everyone, which is we all breathe. Everyone breathes, and by breathing in, you stimulate sympathetic. When you breathe out, you stimulate parasympathetic. There's some very simple bio, uh, like mechanical process that everyone has that's the same. So, but through that, you can change it to suit you. The diet and the fuel nutrition that you should take is not one size fits all. It's based on the Ayurvedic principle that actually uh, we have different energy components in the body and that we need to eat energy types. Okay? And that intermittent fasting is great for one person but not always good for the other person. So, you know, it's really, SOMA is about knowing yourself, really getting to know who you are and not put yourself into a box, not try and be somebody you're not. Um, refuting, uh, you know, false facts and not um, uh, refuting false dogmas and not repeating uh, known facts that are false. You know, these are really important things like really questioning things and seeing where they come from the source. You know, there's so many studies on herbs and nutrition and supplements, but if you look at them deeper, a lot of those studies come from companies that are making those because their agenda is to sell those things. So, you know, I, that's why I like to look at thousands of years of history rather than a little bit of like contrived um, uh, science based on trying to sell you pills. You know, like I like to look at the what the ancients did, man, because and what yeah. preserved, and just looking, observing who is living long periods of time, who is really happy and healthy, who's like at the best of their health. What are they doing? Like you'll see, like the Russians, the way they train. They're some of the most powerful athletes in the world. They do an opposite way of training to to the the British and the Americans. And um, you got to read this amazing book. Um, what was his name? Uh, ah, if it comes to me, uh, Bob something. Um, anyway, he wrote a book, uh, How to Become Healthy, Happy, and Strong. Uh, and it's amazing. He talks all about. Everything I'm talking about now, he, he talked about this uh, way to train. Um, if you're into biohacking, I, uh, I really recommend this, this book, How to Be Healthy, Happy, and Strong. I'm just going to look it up. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll look that up. And um, yeah, Bob, we'll Hoffman. Bob Hoffman. Bob Hoffman. Okay, That's, that rings yeah, a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Functional isometric training. Functional isometric training. And you'll see he, went, he was a renegade. And what happened was he observed – what were, how were people training in America versus Russia? And he went and spent time with the Russians and he saw that they were doing totally the opposite. All of the things I'm talking about, hypoxia, um, holding uh, you know, um, your muscles in contraction, training and the contraction. It's all of the secrets of these amazing Russian powerlifters. What do the Russian powerlifters do? They spend time with their trainers, try to spend time in the Himalayas with superhuman yogis. So you just just do some research. Don't like just take everything to face value. Actually go and observe people who are healthy, happy, strong, who are doing it, living and breathing it. What are they doing? Model their success. This is what I did to cure myself colitis. I just looked at people who were cured themselves of colitis using natural means and I just copied them. 
And, um, you know, that's why I'm here being able to tell the tale. If I just listened to my doctor who said there's no cure for colitis because the studies don't show it that there's a cure, um, you know, there's no re relationship to stress and emotion to your disease. Keep taking the pills because that's the only thing that's been shown scientifically to show that, um, that they work. So I totally refuted all of that false dogma. I didn't repeat their false, um, uh, uh, you know, known facts. Okay. I just observed what was going on in nature and boom, it worked. All right. So don't believe in all the science you read. Most yeah. of it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah. Well, and, and coming from, uh, a person with your experience, um, you know, climbing the ranks and, 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 and being a pharmacist and working and having all that stress, like coming from you, that means, uh, that means a ton. Um, before I ask, uh, the last question that I like to ask all of our guests, um, where can everybody find you? Well, what, what's your, what's your preferred way of people to connect with you and what you do? Uh, yeah, so my favorite websites now um, uh, is for, for where I have all my information is the renegadepharmacist.com, which is all of this knowledge I've, I've gathered over the years, uh, all in one place. And it's a super powerful website. It's got a lot of um, great uh, resources on there, um, a lot of uh, controversial knowledge as well which goes against the the grains of the convention and uh but has all all the evidence to back up what i'm talking about um and then there's the somabreath.com site which is the home for soma which is evolving very fast with with rolling out soma yoga we have start with the breath then yoga movement dance um so you can learn about our retreats our instructor training We've got over 100 instructors around the world now. We're we're um, growing that quickly. It's like a really popular place uh, now to learn about breath work. Um, so yeah, so that's beautiful. Really Every recommend those exercises. Everybody's ready for it. That's why it's taking off. Is because people are ready. Yeah. <laughs> people want the truth man yeah give me give me the give me the give me the goods give me the stuff that works not the pills not the not the injections just give me the give me the good stuff totally. yeah, that's that's wonderful okay so to take this take this episode home um if you would if you would uh, finish this sentence for me everyone would benefit from knowing themselves <laughs> ah, well done <laughs> that might be my favorite so far oh, beautiful Raj thank you so much for joining us on the Optimal Performance Podcast epic it's been a great show man thank you very much <laughs>